With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kinville, and uh, we got some stuff we've got to unwrap today, uh, a few things to talk about. Uh, before we do, we want to let you know that you can find us all over social media. We're on Twitter at, uh, at Royalty underscore pod, at Hockey underscore Royalty. Uh, let's see, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're all over the place, guys. We're everywhere. It's with those old American Express commercials. I don't know if you guys remember those or not, or if I'm just too old. <laughs> where you want to be? No, it was Visa. I'm sorry. See, I am getting old. Anyways, <laughs> before we start talking about all this, I'm going to bring in my bandmates. First of all, the guy who leads us into hockey battle every time, every day, everywhere. He's the one. He's the only. He's Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's up, buddy? Hey, Scott. Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, just trying to recover from hockey this week. Yeah. But, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> It's a long process. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And our other bandmate, of course, he is the emperor of all things analytics around here at HockeyRoyalty.com. He is the count, of course. He is the prince of PDO. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know where I'm going with this. Drum roll, please. The one, the only, Mr. Russell Morgan. What's going on, Russ? What's going on, Scotty? What's going on, Ryan? Yeah, it's been an emotional roller coaster uh, the last Ooh. couple games for the Kings. Yeah. yeah. I would say that's a that's a very good understatement. That's for sure. <laughs> so, guys, let's get right into this. Um, yeah, we're this week's been kind of rough. We've been uh, riding high for a while here. Uh, the Kings have looked outstanding, and then uh, this week happened. Uh, the other night they returned home to the Crypto.com Arena, and uh, well, not really return home. They you know, they were only in Anaheim, and then they played it home on Saturday. Anyways, yeah. uh, <laughs> Boston Bruins came to town. A visit from the Eastern Conference, which. Normally, the Kings are very, very good against. Uh, it didn't go that way Monday night, unfortunately. It looked more like a football score. So let's break this down, guys. Ryan, what did you see? Well, unfortunately, the Bruins were <clears throat> a lot more physical. They were heavy on the forecheck. They lived up to the hype of being one of the upper echelon teams in the National Hockey League. You know, I, I tweeted out uh, with – Russ's help uh, in advance, but the Kings were like, like 11 and 13 and three against playoff team or teams that were occupying a playoff spot coming into that game. So it was a good test. Um, you know, I think Zach Dooley tweeted out uh, over the weekend, I think on Sunday, the Kings were like 15, 0 and two against teams under 500. So 
taking care of business, but obviously you got to, you know, we talked about it in the last one, I'm not going to do my Ric Flair again, but you got <laughs> to be the man. You got to beat the man, right? <laughs> you just need a Ric Flair win now. That's all you need. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> uh, how about you, Russ? Yeah, I mean, it didn't – once you saw that first goal go in um, through Jonathan Quick uh, seven hole, it was just like, oh, no, here we go. Because – you you were kind of expecting one of these games to happen, especially with the way the team has been playing. You were you were just kind of like, okay, when is the letdown going to happen? Because they're not going to ride this high all the way to the playoffs. It's it's going to end sooner or later. And sure enough, like it happened with the seven zero loss. I mean, probably would have been would have liked it to be a little bit less than that. But yeah, it was just a game that it was weird because the first period, even though they went into the second down two zero, I thought they played okay. I mean, besides the that quick goal and the giveaway by Anderson, it was an evenly played period, I think. Um, but then the team just kind of was like, okay, we're just going to throw this one away and just move on to the, the next thing. Maybe they were thinking about the road trip coming up, or, but who knows? Um, yeah, it was just – I don't know. I don't want to say it was a disappointing game because we've seen the te- this team have losses like this the last couple months. I mean, you look back at the Vegas loss when they came back after the Christmas break, you look back at the, the I think it was the Edmonton loss after the COVID break. So the, these losses, it, it wasn't really that surprising, but you were kind of hoping that they'd be able to bounce back and move on um, to the Dallas game. But we know how that ended too. Well, yeah, that's the third game in four nights. Yeah. yeah. And Scott and my, the turning point for me and, and the Boston game was when they couldn't convert on the five on three uh, power uh-huh. play. They had a minute 22, and I think they got like what one shot off, like Kempe missed the net. Yeah, yeah. And, it was, and that's something that they've talked about on power plays. It's like McClellan, I remember McClellan's talked about this that they've had power play opportunities where guys who shoot the pucks just aren't shooting. And I noticed that multiple times when Kempe had the puck like at the circle. And just started to try to pass it off. And I'm thinking, like, man, just throw it on. You have guys parked in front. You have, I believe, I follow was parked in front. Just throw it at the pad and just see what happens. Create some havoc in front. And I think that's kind of been the MO of the Kings power play, where there aren't really a lot of opportunities, it seems like, down low. It looks like for more of their opportunities are coming up high. And they've been trying to rely more on those long shots from the blue line or from the circle to go in to convert on the power play, but they're not really looking for those dirty goals. And I was kind of hoping to see more of that on the five on three power play, but it never really came to fruition. Mm -hmm. Is it time to switch things up on the power play? Yes. I I mean, we'll get into his own segment here, but I think you got to take Dustin Brown off the power play. Mm -hmm. And And, and Russ, you kind of, you kind of touched on it, but the point I wanted to hit on with Dustin Brown as a whole, you know, I kind of floated out the question last night during the game, but like, should he be removed from the lineup as a healthy scratch and some of in favor of some of these other players, or is his presence just being in the lineup, like um, good for the younger players or whatnot. But, you know, before we hopped on here, I'm looking at Dustin Brown's stats He's shooting at just a 4.7% clip, which is the lowest since his rookie year. So I, I don't know if it's just as simple as getting more pucks on net for Dustin, but it, can, it can't be on the power play right now. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this, guys. When the Kings score on the power play, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I know Calia did last <laughs> night. I kind of view it more as of a two-minute time where the kings have just have the puck yeah all right and when they score it's like when you were a kid your parents said hey we're gonna go out for ice cream <laughs> <laughs> oh boy but yeah you know that's uh that's valid i mean if i think it's gonna be easier to take brownie out of the lineup if the, they start to slump a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because here's the you know here's the deal right they were playing so well they won what nine of their last 12 games prior to the boston game and it's almost one of those you don't want to fix what isn't broken even though you can see a break coming right yeah but you know that's it's hard decisions man i wouldn't want to be in that spot but Mm -hmm. because dustin brown is is a legend in this franchise there's just no getting around that and especially Uh, with 27 games left to the regular season i mean you kind of have to have things locked in now and not be experimenting with stuff no not at all but you know what i I also think that maybe a little bit of a rest would do him some good 
Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not a, a permanent benching, but hey, take oh. uh, take uh, Friday off against Columbus and come back Sunday for Buffalo. See what happens. You know, there's there's no harm in doing that. Really. Well, I mean, I think that, and I think that's a great point because I mean, if you're you, if the Kings do end up making the playoffs, I mean, what better player would you want in the lineup than Dustin Brown? Exactly. A player that has yeah. been there before who plays that type of playoff type game. So when I talk about like healthy scratching, or I think it's a great idea right now. I mean, these long, this long slog of the regular season, this full 82 game season that the Kings haven't played in the last two years. I mean, maybe it's starting to get to him. He, he, maybe he's getting these legs. I mean, Bring in some young talent and just see what they can bring. Bring some excitement to the end of the regular season. Just try to tread water and try to get a playoff spot. Um, but when you get to that final, like, last couple of games, put Dustin Brown back in. See what he's able to bring with fresh legs and then getting into the playoffs. But right now, the production's not there. And that shooting percentage, I think it's more to the t- test of uh, – He's just taking the easy way out, it feels like. I've seen a lot of unwar- unforced icings from him off his stick. The power play, yeah, it's just there's not really a lot of creativity coming from him. It's just I think I think a, a healthy scratch for a game or two would do good for him uh, for the longer stretch of the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. Almost like well, addition by subtraction. And mm-hmm. I mean, he was always a very physical player throughout his career. He had, what, 311 in the 2007-8 season. Um, last year, he had 85 hits in 49 games. He had 75 right now through 52 games. I mean, so even when he wasn't scoring, he was, you know, lighting up the opposition or whatever to force a turnover, and he's not even doing that right now. Yeah, but here's a question, and since we're talking about it, if you do <laughs> healthy scratch Dustin Brown for a game or two or whatever it is, who slides into the byfield line? Who do you think would be the better fit, I should say? Well, I mentioned it last night. I think if you're going to move Dustin Brown, this is the thing is I don't know if they would ever actually move Dustin Brown out of the lineup because of what he's done for the franchise. Um, so maybe they slide him down. Maybe you switch, switch him with Kaliev, and you have Kaliev play with Byfield on the third line. Um, or, and then with, yeah, and then or, with Jod, Jod um, with the team, have him take over Grunstrom's spot. I mean, right now, it seems like Athanasiu is just trade bait right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah it really does. It, it, if you're not playing a guy who's on a one-year deal, um, who's going right. to be UFA at the end of the year, I mean, you have to see what his market's going to be come the deadline. I, Absolutely. It, just, it, makes no, it makes sense. Well, that's what we've been oh. talking about all along, guys, the, the forwards musical chairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of the, the what was the the passengers phrase that you used Russ, yeah. earlier in the season. Exactly. Um, I mean, another kind of interesting idea that I thought about and I saw floating around last night was what about putting Kaliev up on the top line and moving Aya Follow down to the third line, and then that would be like Grundstrom, Byfield, and Aya Follow on that third line. Uh, obviously, you need to figure out who replaces Kaliev there on the fourth line, but um, I think there could be something there. Could be. And this is the ideal time to do it now that you're you know, you're going into Columbus and Buffalo, where two teams are out of the playoffs right now. Anyways, mm-hmm. Columbus has still got a mathematical <clears throat> shot anyhow. Um, but, you know, here's the, here's the thing, right? So the Boston game happened. You flush it. You forget about it. You head out to the road. You're in Dallas last night, Wednesday night. And, boy, I tell you, they started good. You know, mm-hmm. they were up three to one in the second period, and then the, just the wheels fell off. So, yeah. Ross, what happened there? Yeah, I, I, the first period, like you said, it, it was it was a good start. The first couple of minutes, they got the, the no goal, um, and I guess th- throughout the I, I could say the throughout the whole first period, I thought the team looked pretty good. But then they got to the second period, and yeah, they got the lead with the Kaliev markers. Um, but besides those, they, it was kind of like a lackluster uh, period for the second, and then going into I mean. Obviously, giving up what was it, four goals in that period yeah. or three goals in that mm-hmm. period? It was just, yeah, that that is that speaks for itself, I guess. But um, throughout that, after the first period, throughout the game, they they didn't look good, and it was kind of like back to the Boston game. And even Trent Yanni had mentioned that they'd he's seen a little bit of this at the end of the Islanders game as well. Um, so you're just kind of hoping to see maybe this team can get their five on five legs back underneath them because it's not really. Um, this type of Kings, it's not really the Kings to be playing a lackluster five-on-five game right now. 
No, it's not really. And I mean, you know, that fourth goal that Dallas scored was just a dagger. That that mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah. Um, oh man, you know. Um, but you really they, can't blame Cal Peterson for last night either. I mean, he was pretty much under siege from the second period on. At least I think. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. agree. I mean, I agree. I agree with that because I saw a lot of people coming coming at Cal. I mean, yeah, yeah he could have made a couple saves, but I mean, I was looking at his goal saved above his expected, and it, it was actually for to give up four goals. It was only a minus zero point zero three. So yeah, he was so, still so pretty, zero. Yeah, pretty much zero. Yeah. So <laughs> even with all the go- four goals against and is still having even goal saved above, above expected, that's not really a bad performance there. He's he. I mean, without him, it, it would have been even more. It could have been seven three, uh, six three. Who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, the couple of things that stood out to me, guys, in the second period were just the number of penalties that the Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, took you know i think i messaged you guys they're just playing with fire right now they're asking to get scored on we saw how that turned out the other the other thing that my major takeaway was arthur kaliev's committing to a 200 foot game you saw i forget who was about just about to wind up for the shot and he poke checked it away carried it up ice and kind of skated towards the slot and through traffic and just fired it right past uh, Ottinger. And that really opened my eyes to Kaliev's development. You know, immediately the words of his, like, scouting report came into my head of, like, not a great skater, not good defensively. He's a pure shooter. And I was just like, guys, he's kind of – he's coming along just fine. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to talk about a player that's actually deserved more playing time and time, you know, a chance to move up in the lineup. Number 34 is your guy. He's got 11 goals on the fourth line. Yeah, I know, know, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I think that that's probably helped his defensive game. I mean, you play like a player like uh, Blake Lazat, who's always going to be in on the four check, who brings that tenacity along with Lemieux. Cali has almost been kind of forced into like a more defense type game, but he's looked great defensively all season. I think his defensive metrics in terms of analytics are actually really good. And if not one of the best on the team. So when I want to say, when I, when I say I want to see Cali playing with like a byfield or playing on the top line, it's hard because he's, he's playing really well with Lazat and Lemieux. And mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like you, like you mentioned, Scott with uh, when the team was playing playing good it's it's hard to fix something that isn't broken so now that we're starting to see a slide um with the kings and that um the five on five starting to decline a little bit maybe there is a chance to change things up a bit and see what maybe maybe you can bring some more production out of kaliev yeah no doubt and you know i just want to touch on a couple of uh, takeaways i saw online last night after the game uh one it said uh that byfield should be down in the ahl and i can't say as I agree with that. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't agree with that. No, not at all. I mean, you know, here's the thing: he's young. He's got to have time in LA to to figure it out. And you know, I, I think it was Dennis Bernstein responded to it, and he said, you know, right now he's in the ideal spot. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's basically protected <clears throat> in the lineup by Kopitar and Denal. So, yep. You know, to me, sending Cal- or sending Byfield down to the AHL is completely out of the question. If and they guys, were if they were going to send him down, it would have been before his tenth game this season, right? Mm-hmm. To right. not start the clock on his ELC, hundred um, percent. When he played in his tenth game, I was like, "All right, he's staying up here the rest of the year." Yeah, and that's this is exactly where he needs to be. He's got to develop at NHL speed because he's certainly got the talent and the you know the tools to do it. Um, another thing that was brought up, and, and I, I have to say I 100% agree with this, we were just talking about Arthur Kaliev shooting off his off wing. Yes. That was that, That's a phenomenal observation and so true. If you really you know think about it, take a look at a guy like, like Ovechkin does it all the time, mm-hmm. hammers the puck off from his off wing. You know, So why not try to do that with, with Arthur Kaliev? That's kind of what I was thinking. If he goes up top in place of a follow or I a follow, excuse me, uh, for first line left winger, you know, that would give him that opportunity. Isn't it weird that we've kind of, I mean, we've talked about 
this team really isn't going to be a contender unless Ajax Salafalo is play, not playing on the first line. And we're starting to see that a little bit because he's, I mean, yeah, he's playing really good defensively. He's doing all the right things. I mean, Kobitar loves playing with him, but he's just not, I mean, it's hard because he's not really producing offensively right now. I mean, I think his last goal was January 30th, I believe. Um, or when then he's had one goal in his last 15 or so games, but it's just hard because if the Kings ever got like a legit, let's say the Kings did end up getting Philip Forsberg somehow, man, if you play pair him with Kempe and Kopitar and you're able to slide, I follow down to the third line, man, that's just, that's just a formidable lineup. And the Kings, it's, it's just hard because you want to see I follow doing well. And he's gotten that $4 million deal for a couple of years, but there's just not a lot of offense from him, and he's playing like a really good, solid defensive game. But you want to see more production off the first, the first line. Yeah, and just real quick, I mean, uh, I misspoke earlier. I meant uh, first line right winger. Kelly has a left shot. Mm-hmm. My apologies, guys. Ah, that's okay. We'll let it slide this time. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, God, that, that does not sound right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're you're right, Russ. I mean, what what do you do? I mean. Yeah, Forsberg would be awesome. I, I don't think it happens at the trade deadline, to be honest with you. Um, I've seen reports that uh, Nashville's actually going to put a press on to resign him. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I don't know. There's Not only do you have the forward lines to think about, you also have the defensive pairings to think about. Mm-hmm. Right? And, I mean, you know, the, the turnover the other night for Mikey Anderson, yeah, that's, that's a young player. But, I mean, somebody who's really actually starting to surprise, believe it or not, is Ali Mata. Yeah. You know, for as much as maligned as he's been as, as his time as a king, suddenly he's actually a very valuable part of that defensive core. So the question now becomes, with you, you know, we're going to have Edler coming back pretty soon. Um, guys are probably towards the end of the season maybe looking to push out of Ontario. Um, what do you do with Mata? Well, kind of looked at this couple scenarios. Can either have him as your seventh defenseman. <clears throat> I mean, he, he's got, what, like 78 career playoff games, two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was actually very good with the Blackhawks in their in the playoff bubble. I think he had six points in nine games. There are three goals, three assists, with mm-hmm. uh, paired with Connor Murphy, I believe. Um, that type of presence, just like what we're talking about with Dustin Brown here, guys, I mean, can be very valuable for a, a defensive core, you know, outside of Dowdy that doesn't really have a lot of playoff experience. Um, the other option I considered, you know, if something falls into your lap and you can get something for him at the deadline, I would consider moving him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because his value is not going to be any higher than it is right now. Yeah. I think Zach Dooley, tweeted out uh, he had like a plus nine in the month of February and it was highlighted by that plus four game on uh, uh, was it Saturday? Yep. Yeah. Highlanders. Yeah. I, I mean, when for Olimata, it's, it's, it's tough for me because yeah, he's been playing well. I'm just, I'm just kind of waiting for that Olimata <laughs> moment to happen. <laughs> Bottom to fall out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, but, I mean, yeah, let's ride this wave as long as we can. I mean, Olimata, he's been there before, two-cup champion. Um, he was Like you said, Ryan, he played really well for Chicago in the bubble before he came to the Kings. But once Alex Edler comes back, or let's say a Jacob Chikrin trade happens, I mean, I would just expect him to be a seventh defenseman, um, and a, va- a really valuable seventh defenseman. If you can have a player like that coming off the bench um, if whenever needed, that's, that's a, a good asset to have. But... I don't agree with takes to say play him over Toby Bjornfoot when Alex Adler comes back or bench Bjornfoot because I think I think Kings fans are starting to get blinders on and I, I've been I've been I've this happened to me too I mean you, the team's been playing really well playoffs are start talking everyone's talking about playoffs we want to see the team winning but I think the real purpose of the season was was development and when people start thinking about what Byfield's doing right now. You don't want to send him down to the AHL, especially after the, he's been playing more than 10 games to kick that ELC in because 
He's, he's getting development right now. We, I mm-hmm. mean, who cares about production? He's just getting NHL games under his belt. Just and have him play the Islanders every single game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And have Callie play the Stars every game. That'd be yeah, exactly. I thought about that this morning, yeah. too. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that that's kind of what Kings fans have forgotten about is that these games that these young players are getting, like Bjornfoot or like Anderson and Byfield, these are great for their development. I mean, By- Byfield's still a rookie. Bjornfoot's st- still 20 years old. Um, th- imagine these these players like this get playoff games under their belt before they turn 20 years old. That's going to be great for the future of their career. And I'll, I'll even say, you know, an outside chance that they don't make the playoffs, just them being in a playoff race is going to force them to elevate their game. It's kind of a sink or swim for them, right? A hundred percent. I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head right there. These games right now, for them to be playing these physical type games against teams like Boston, against teams like Dallas who are fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, you look at the players that they're going up against lately. I mean, this is going to be huge for the next couple of years, and it's only going to help the Kings and their growth um, really quickly. Um, so you can see a lot more, a lot better play coming from them in the, next, the end of the season or even the next few seasons too. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. And I just wanted to just touch on Olaimata again real quick. You know, he he's going to be more valuable than people think, in my opinion anyway, because a guy like Olaimata, who, like you mentioned, Russ, has two Stanley Cup champions, he's got, or championships, he's got – 78 games of playoffs experience teams that are up against the cap, but are this close to the cup that just need that one or two extra pieces on the cheap is exactly the kind that that's the kind of guy that don't lack me out of the room, but could net a third or fourth round pick in return. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, with the way he's been playing. Okay. And especially for teams say. Take like a Florida, for instance. Let's say they miss out on the Jacob Chickren sweepstakes because they're. I, I just use them as an example because they're the team that's linked a lot. You know, somebody who wanted say a Ben Sherratt misses out on him. There's always going to be that one extra that didn't get quite what they want with the the top shelf, where they're going to say, okay, well we'll take what's available. And this guy, even though he's had kind of a rough time in LA, has been playing pretty well as of late. And you can't forget about the experience. So there's always that. Unfortunately for the Kings, unless I mean, unless they decide to stand pat, they don't have a lot of room to retain salary. But I mean, it's, at this point, it's kind of negligible anyway. Yeah, but there's at the end, you know. So there's that to you know to consider as well. All right, guys, let's do this. Let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to get a word in from our sponsors here at DraftKings, and then when we come back, we uh, we got some standings talk to talk about. All right, here's our message from our friends at DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21-plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsibility gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpq.org. Slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. And we're back. Took our little break here. Now we're recharged. We're ready to go, guys. 
All right, let's take a look at those standings. The Pacific Division standings here where the Kings are still in second place despite the games against Boston and Dallas. Um, where, where do we think we're going to be ending up, I guess, is the question. Because second place, yeah, I mean, Calgary's running away with that division. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, did, I thought maybe that Calgary train would slow down. It's not showing any signs. Uh, they Obviously, we've talked about this before. They've completely bought into Daryl Sutter's system. And it's looking pretty good for them. Vegas is right behind the Kings. They're in third place. Uh, they have 64 points. Uh, with it looks like well, a game in hand. I don't have my glasses on, so forgive me for that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you you laugh. You wait till you get to be this age. <laughs> um, Vegas is actually starting to play pretty well as of late. Uh, kind of seem to be starting to get their feet back under them. What do we think, guys? Is it? Um, is it the Kings have to finish in the top three to be in the playoffs? I don't think so. I, I think, yeah, I think Vegas will eventually get their legs underneath them. Um, Jack Eichel's just getting acclimated to his teammates. He's been in their first first couple of games. And they were kind of slowed a little bit. Um, I think they went one four and one, and they just won their last one. But yeah, I guess the real real battle just in the Pacific is going to be maybe with the Kings and Edmonton for the third spot. Um, right. But for my prediction, I've, I've said all along, I think the Kings finish at the finish of the second wild card, wild card spot. And unfortunately last night was a, a big game for that because I think that Dallas is the team that they'll be fighting for. in that last spot, you look at a team like Anaheim, they're up and down. I don't think they're really going to make a big push. Um, and then teams like Winnipeg and um, Vancouver are still pretty far behind. So um, yeah, it's going to be between the Kings and Dallas, and if the Kings can um, beat them, I think they'll be pretty good for a playoffs. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, last night was kind of a four-point game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Kings win, and they're up. They got 67 points, and they keep Dallas at 61. Now they're separated by just two points. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at some of the other teams. Vegas, is they're going to eventually get it going. Look at Nashville, who's occupying the first wild card spot, three six and one over their last ten. Dallas seven two and one. Uh, obviously had the win last night over us. Edmonton seven three and zero. Oh. And there's still Anaheim there, who's four five and one over their last ten. They just had a big win over Boston. Um, uh, was was that Tuesday? <clears throat> yeah. But. Um, yeah, I mean that's the worst too. After what Boston did to us, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they almost blew it. They almost <laughs> blew it. But I mean, I don't really have a solid answer. All I can say is it's going to be a dogfight, guys. It's going to be a dogfight down the stretch. Um, got twenty-seven games remaining. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Friday is a must-win, but they certainly have to get back on the right path here soon yeah i i think so i mean unlike the eastern conference which which the eight spots were d- decided pretty much by new year's day uh there is <laughs> there's still some drama left in the west um you know this is really going to come down to i i just and it's not because they're the king's biggest rival i just don't think anaheim's got enough to to get themselves into the playoffs i just I see that magic carpet ride coming to an end, right? Yeah. And the same thing for Vancouver. Winnipeg is a team that kind of makes me a little bit nervous, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. because they had a horrible start, really. But there's still so much talent on that team that if they go on a Columbus-like win streak from a couple of years ago, remember when they won like 10 in a row? Yeah. And all of a sudden. So Winnipeg's a team I, I definitely keep an eye on. They're getting Ehlers back soon, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing. Like they needed another weapon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Edmonton is just one of those. Unless they do something about that goaltending situation, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't. I mean, there, there's enough talent there, obviously, to to get themselves into the third spot. But that, that's not a that's not a team that's built for the playoffs. Let's put it that way. Um, I'd, be, I'd be really curious if they go after Mark Andre Fleury at the trade deadline. Yeah, you just, you just said it, Scott. I mean, their goaltending is holding them back is just crazy because they have arguably the two best players in the league on that roster. You know who yeah. I heard they're, they're linked to? Semyon Valarmov. Ooh. Yeah. They, I mean, they need something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 39 year old Mike Smith was not it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think it, it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting because I know the Kings have I think it's nine games until the trade deadline. So these next few games are going to be huge um, mm-hmm. to see what the Kings do on March twenty first. Right, and I'll tell you something right now, guys. Now is not the time for a losing streak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know if you're if you're going to seriously stay in the playoff race in a spot where the Kings are, or even like the Predators or the Stars or the Oilers or any of the teams we just talked about, you have to be playing. Even when you're playing bad hockey, you have to play at least five hundred hockey, because if you go and drop five games in a row, that is a hole you just dug that you're probably not going to get out of because you run out of track. Right, mm-hmm. games are. All of a sudden, scarce. Whereas if you do it in November, it's like, ah, we got 60 games left. We can make this up. But <laughs> you do that in March. Also, well, wait a minute. We got uh, 12 games left. Guys. Well, yeah. I mean, you look, at the, you look at the Kings start to the season, 1 5 and 1, and then they played ridiculous hockey since. Exactly. And now they're kind of facing that same adversity again. So um, for me, I don't know if Todd McClellan is back, but I'm sure Trent, you know, he's still instilling the same message. But they seem to need one of those practices where they just hammer on the details, you know, after the the Vegas loss, after the Edmonton loss, and then they come right back and they're well on their way again. Right. And don't forget, the Kings are still a very young team. You yeah. Know, they, they really are. When you, I mean, yeah, I know. I say young. Well, we're led by Kovatar, Doughty, and Bronco, yeah. who, you know, combine them, and it's almost 100 years. But other than that, they're young, right? So let's say the Kings do flounder. Let's just throw it out there. I hate to talk about it, but let's say it does happen. How does that change for the modality at the trade deadline? Are they still buyers to try to get that last spot? Do they stand pat and say, you know what, forget it. We're just going to keep what we got. Or do they sell a few pieces? I don't think it matters, to be honest with you, what they do with these next few nine games. I think that it's going to be, I mean, we've talked about Athanasiu. I think he's trade bait. Um, no matter what, um, if you're if you're thinking about playing Carl Grunstrom and possibly Jared Anderson Dolan over him at this point, it just makes sense to try to move him. Um, but yeah, I just if let's say the team does go on like a, a losing streak, I don't think they're really ever going to go after like a big rental or or try to like sell off big name pieces like a Jonathan Quick or anybody else besides Mata and Athanasiu who we expect to possibly get moved. Um, or maybe even a Dustin Brown. I don't think he's getting moved. Or let's say like the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's say they go on a win streak. Uh, I don't think they're, they were going to be in the market for any type of big rentals. Um, I know I've mentioned maybe Ben Sherratt, but it sounds like he might be – he might require a first-round pick to get, which is yeah. just ridiculous. So, yeah, Rob Blake has mentioned the need for a score. We've talked about Jacob Chikrin on, on in, so – can that trade be done? Yeah, I could still see that trade being done at the deadline because he's got term left on his deal, so that would make sense. But as far as any like big rental pieces, I don't think I don't see anything happening um, as far as big pieces being moved incoming or being moved out um, from the Kings roster. Yeah, you know what makes me nervous about the the Chicken situation if the Kings do start floundering, uh, and I said this before, Florida's the team that's been attached to him the most, along with the Kings. So Florida will have an urgency to try to get him because they're they're looking at obviously they're looking at a pretty deep Stanley Cup run here at this point. Mm-hmm. And if the Kings flounder, they won't be. But that might also force Florida's hand to up the ante. So at that point, if you're the Kings, do you stay in the in the poker game, so to speak, put more chips in to try to get them? Or do you just say, hey, Florida, you know what? You're way overpaying right now, even for Jacob Chickering, because you want to win a cup. We can't afford to lose, you know, say, even three or four prospects at this point and walk away. That's, you know, there, there's a whole dynamic at play here because as far as Chickering goes, I, I think that's who it's going to come down to. I know Anaheim has been linked to Chickering as well. I just, for some reason, I don't see that working, to be honest with you. And I know Anaheim's got the prospects to do it. And I know Anaheim's got the picks to do it. But for just something, my spidey sense, whatever, <laughs> is telling me that that's not going to happen. I think it's going to be Florida. It's going to be the team you got to worry about here. And <laughs> if Florida seriously does throw in like an Anton Lundell and a Spencer Knight, that's going to be hard to compete with. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I, it just makes sense for the Kings. I mean, yeah, we've talked about it end on end. It's. Jacob Chickens to the Kings just makes all the sense in the world. 
Um, and yeah, when when I saw the Coyotes assistant general manager John Ferguson at the game the other day, it just that was kind of like an eye opening. Like, okay, he's here for a reason. There's no, he's not just here to scout like a Kings team that they might be playing against here. And they're they're sending him here for a reason. And that kind of like put the everybody on alert. Like, oh, is that trade going down? And I, I just think if if it doesn't go down by the trade deadline, I think it goes down by the draft at the by the draft. Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, so it, I don't see Florida giving up Lundell. Honestly, I think Florida's pretty well off right now. I, I picked them to go to the finals and play Colorado because um, they just look like a they yeah, look that, solid yeah, all the way throughout. Serious. I mean, Lundell, yeah. I, I think Lundell's going to end up winning the Calder. Um, all this talk about Raymond or Cider and Zegris, I, I, Lundell's kind of come out of nowhere and been look look just almost playing just as good as Sasha Barkov for them. And it's been a crazy one, two punch down the middle for them. So if you're, if the Kings are going to make the chicken trade trade at the deadline, would be good, but I can see it. I, I think it'd be even more beneficial for them to make it at the draft table. Cause if you do have Alex Edler coming back at the end of March, just, just throw Edler in there. You have Mata as a seventh defenseman, see what the team can do at the end of the season and, and then ride that wave until the, the draft table and then make some big moves. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Lundell an early number one overall candidate in his draft year? I believe I some people was. were pumping his tires. I think so. Yeah, yeah, and then he just kind of fell for whatever reason. And you sure know why that they were talking like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you guys touched, you guys touched on it, but let's keep it short and sweet. I think if the Kings make any move, it's going to be someone with term that they can uh, have around for the next few seasons as they continue to um, develop and, uh, I guess, keep traveling towards uh, being a perennial playoff contender and eventually a a Stanley Cup contender again. Yeah. Yeah, that's – yeah, you're right. Rental makes zero sense at all at this point. I mean, if if they want to score, I mean, I've always said my preferred – option would be to acquire Chikrin at the deadline because <clears throat> you'll have to give up assets to get him. And you can make a hard run at Philip Forsberg in the off season. If he is still unsigned, you know, we got, uh, Brown, Mata, um, Athanasiu mm-hmm. and, uh, who else comes off? You got park? a couple RFAs, Lemieux, Lazat, Anderson, yeah, I think Leah Anderson could be a non-tender candidate. I was say, you got to yeah. resign Brendan Lemieux now. He's our course <laughs> candidate for Team MVP. Yeah, I'm missing one other UFA. I can't think of it. But the point <laughs> is, there's some money coming off the books where you could financially get a Forsberg deal done. It's funny that you talked about that because I was actually on Cap Friendly like all night last night, trying to just kind of maneuver just to see what could happen <laughs> um, next season as far as the Kings and. So, in this, like, fictitious world I had where I was the Kings GM, I signed Adrian Campe to a six-year deal for $5 million, and I signed Philip Forsberg to a four-year deal for $8.5 million. And the Kings had, like, $200,000 in cap space. And that was without re-signing Dustin Brown, Oli Mata, Alex Edler, and bringing Edler. back... Edler was the guy for Yeah, that. and bringing back Mikey Anderson at, like, a two, $2 million deal, Lemieux at, like, a one point five, and Lazat at, like, a $1 million deal. The biggest problem with the Kings next year salary cap is Jonathan Quick. Because if you're going to have two goalies locked in for $11 million, that hurts. Yeah, it's, it is going to be, it is going to hurt to try to bring in a sniper like a, like a Philip Forsberg, especially if you're only going to be playing, if you're kind of going to be splitting them. I mean, and with what, how we're seeing Jonathan Quick play these last couple of games, oh man, it's going to be hard to be paying him $5.8 million next year, especially if Cal Peterson needs where he needs to make that jump to be the starter. Um, who knows what the Kings do with Quickie's contract. And oh, Eric, other- on, sorry, just real quick, Scott. While we're on the topic, you know, do you guys give Cal Peterson more starts heading down the stretch? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. And I, I've, I've had a lot of people come – because I mentioned the other day that I think it's Cal's net right now. And I don't say – I didn't say that thinking that, like, Cal's playing better than Quick. But it's just he's got to start showing that he he needs to earn that contract that he's getting. No real go- quick or Peterson isn't really taking the reins in these last couple of games. They've kind of both been up and down. 
So mm-hmm. if you're going to have a starter, just if you're going to have Cal Peterson be the eventual future of this team, he needs to take more. He needs to have more starts toward the end of the season and show that he's the future of this team for the, in net. Well, and now let me let me pose the same or a, a different question for you because we talked about it on the last one. If you give Cal more starts down the stretch, who's your game one starter in the playoffs? It depends on how Cal's playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. If, I mean, if he's showing that he can, he can, ha- he can handle the load. Cal Peterson is your future, and you know, I, I hate to say it, but if the Kings do make the playoffs, it's not like anybody's going to be expecting anything out of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for Cal Peterson to be able to get playoff experience is invaluable. I mean, Jonathan Quick has more than enough. <laughs> There's, and he's done a heck of a job with it. Just a couple games, you know. Um, and I will say this too. You know, the, the job of being a backup goaltender in the NHL or any kind of level of, of professional hockey is probably one of the hardest jobs in the world. We talked about this before. Goalies need to play to get into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Right? And, uh, it, yeah, it'd be, it, it's horribly hard to even think about saying goodbye to Quickie. And you're right, Ross, that $5.8 million next year is basically an albatross. Here's the problem. What do you do as far as getting your second goaltender? Because even if you if you okay if you get into a, like a buyout mode, or if you manage to trade quick, which I don't even want to think about, but it, let's say you do, you're going to have to retain half of that contract to move them. Okay, so now you still got to pay somebody else to come in and fill that second goalie spot because I just don't see anybody in Ontario stepping up to take the role. As much yeah, I as I like Matt Velada, you know, it's, it's I don't see it, mm-hmm. and especially if they're going to be legit playoff contenders next year. You can't have an unsettled goaltending situation. You can't. So, yeah, that's going to be a lot of pressure on Cal Peterson, no doubt about it. But they're paying him number one goalie money now. So he's got to be the man, but you still have to have a 1B, regardless. Because he's not going to be an Andre Vasilevsky and start you know, 70 games or something like that. It's simply not going to happen. That goaltender is rare. So if yeah, you can move the money, quick's money off the books, but you're bringing some of it, if not seventy five percent of it, back. Yeah, it would kind of be like what they did with Jeff Carter, they had right. to trade and had to eat up some of that salary. But yeah, and that's kind of why it's hard because I mean it's the same thing we've talked about with Dustin Brown. I mean, you all the things that these players have done for the franchise, bringing in two cups and all 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 the accolades and whatnot. What do, you, what do you do to the end of the twilight of their careers to kind of like you don't want to just kick them out the door you just kind of I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't expect rob blake to I, I mean any move that would happen i would expect rob blake to obviously talk with the player to make sure that it's in the best interest of them and put their interests first but as far as the game one starter yeah i think you have to look to see if cal peterson is playing I guess up to par or just average or above average to the end of the season. Cause right now, I mean, besides the last game against Dallas, he's nine and three in his last 12. So he's, he's winning games. Right. Um, and I've used, we've seen teams use two goaltenders in the playoffs and, and even in one series, that's not out of the realm of possibility. So who knows, maybe you have Cal play, play a game or two in the playoffs. Doesn't really play well. Give Jonathan quick a couple games toward the end of the series and see what happens. But yeah, and if Cal's really going to be the future in net for LA, he needs to start taking the reins more, and they need to give him more consistent starts to show him, give him the um, the platform to show that he is capable of doing that. So, what are you saying? We're looking at a, like a 2018 Washington Capital situation. Yeah, what was it? Holby Drew Bauer and... started off; he's getting destroyed, and then they brought Holby back, who'd been playing terrible. Yeah, already, comes back and wins the cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, just while you're on the topic, a quick note for our listeners. Jeff Carter will be playing in his 50th game for the Penguins tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that important? Because the 2023 fourth-round pick that they got for him will be elevated to a third-round pick. Woohoo! Yeah, More draft capital for sure. More trades. draft capital. Like yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's mm-hmm. always important going forward. Okay, well, you know what? There it is. Looking ahead at the schedule. We just talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Friday night at the, I think it's the Nationwide Arena that they play at. Um, what do you guys think? We got to, I think we actually have to at least get a point out of this game. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, Patrick Line is playing it's unreal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You got to come away with a, at least a point on Friday. 
Yeah, we'll see if Zach Warinsky's back. He's been injured for the past four games. Okay. Um, difference defenseman making for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, yeah, so definitely got to get a point out of that. And then Sunday, they go on to Buffalo, which is a game I'll be back, guys. So yes, you and uh, and Joe will both yeah. be there. For our, our, our listeners that don't know, uh, both of our shows, Hockey Royalty and Making It Rain, are cross-country shows because uh, – <laughs> Myself and Joe live in uh, upstate New York, and um, we're going to be converging on the KeyBank Center. Where, uh, you know, I I just hope it's a better result because I, I get it's so frustrating, right? Because as bad as Buffalo has been over the past few years, that place is just like the, the Bermuda Triangle for the Kings. They just and beat such a hard uh, time winning there. They just beat the Maple Leafs, right? Yeah, four yeah. one two four two, yeah, something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's like it's like. Uh, a hockey day for hockey royalty on Sundays. I'll be at the Blackhawks Lightning game Sunday night. <laughs> Love it. Love We've it. got the entire continent covered. We're great. And then, uh, and then in April, I'll be back there for the Kings Blackhawks game. So nice, <laughs> nice. It'd be nice to take in a casual event where I really don't have a, a vested interest on Sunday. <laughs> you mean where you don't have to take blood pressure medication? After? Yeah. You mean beer? <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. go ahead. <laughs> oh man, oh man, that's awesome. All right, guys, looks like we're kind of coming to the end of our time here. Any closing thoughts? No, it's nope. a tough uh, couple couple of games or a big couple of games for the Kings in Columbus and then with the backs back <clears throat> from Buffalo and straight into Boston. Yeah, hopefully the Kings can uh, at least take, what, four points out of this these next three games. So we'll see. Absolutely. Absolutely. All righty. Well, that's enough for us. Uh Yo, if you got a minute, check out HockeyRoyalty.com. We're putting up new articles about the Kings and the Rain on there daily. Uh, fun, interesting reads, if I don't say so myself. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, as always, we thank you for listening. We appreciate all your support. For Russell Morgan, for Ryan Sykes, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Hockey Royalty Podcast.